0: everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Wednesday Perspective. Glad every, everyone is able to join us. So we're going to break this episode down into another couple segments. And, of course, we're going to discuss some more of some week four NFL topics. And then afterwards, after a short break, we will continue with some uh, Wisconsin Badger football uh, discussion. We haven't really had that much yet. And the Badgers will start up their shortened season in just a couple of weeks so we will get on that. But otherwise, we start with some NFL stuff. And Cam, we start with the Green Bay Packers, of course. Now they play a uh, enticing Monday night matchup tonight against the Atlanta Falcons. That game has actually moved back another half an hour to make room for the Patriots-Chiefs game that got moved to today because of a couple positive COVID tests on the New England Patriots. Or I should say one on the pa- Patriots and one on the Chiefs. Is that correct?
1: Uh, I'm not sure about the Chiefs, but obviously Cam Newton. It was that so. the
0: backup quarterback for the Chiefs or or like a practice squad quarterback for the Chiefs? Or maybe it was the Patriots. Maybe I read that wrong. And that was before I was kind of skimming through before we started.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure about anything on the Chiefs side.
0: Yeah, so that's, uh, that's where the uh, NFL is at with that. They had to slide that game into the 6 o'clock spot for tonight, even though there's only one spot usually for Monday Night Football. But otherwise, we uh, we'll kind of start with going over some Green Bay Packer discussion. So, Devonte Adams, Leon Lazard is out. So, <laughs> Aaron Jones. I'm reading some. Or excuse me, Aaron Rodgers. I'm reading up some articles. He is still a must start for fantasy football. Are you, it's interesting to see now because now with the weak secondary, Atlanta does have. Maybe that's the reason why someone like Devonte Adams is being considered or kept out as a precautionary reason. Do you think the Packers can still maneuver in the passing game without having a guy like Devontae Adams or Alan Lazard in there, relying on more inexperienced wide right receivers?
1: Um, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. If you look back to a handful of years ago when the Packers had Jeff Janis and Jared Aberderis, they almost won – was that that Cardinals playoff game? I don't know if that was the one they lost, but they almost won when those two receivers were basically their number one and two at the time. And it's kind of like that same situation here. I think the Packers kind of lucked out that they're going against a weaker defensive team, especially in the passing game. But you got MVS at their one spot right now, but it's kind of a question mark from there. I know you can rely on your running backs in that receiving game, so I think they'll be fine.
0: Yeah, it certainly will be an interesting look, though, because it's over the last couple of years when the Packers have lacked the weapons for Rodgers to throw to, you know, Adams was really the only bright spot to look at. And Mark Hasvell, that Scantling is always up and down. You never know what you're going to get out of that. And with him, Darius Shepard, you've got the newly signed Reggie Begleton, which that is the first time I've had probably said his name in the lineup. So, <laughs> You're going to have a lot of an experience at the secondary, but maybe with the opponent like Atlanta, maybe it's perfect timing for the Packers in terms of implementing this strategy of getting some of these guys both experienced because it's not like you're playing a team like the Chiefs or the Ravens or you know a team like that.
1: Right. I don't think the Packers really have a guy now that is going to get you that catch that you need in a, in a big-time moment. So it's going to think a, a lot is going to rely on that running game. And then hopefully they can get some play action going out of that, that they can get MVS open on like a crossing route or something. Cause that's really where he's at his best.
0: Exactly. And one player I would have, I've liked to see step up this year. And then this was before he went on the IR was Equinemius St. Brown. You know, he's another younger, younger player. Who's still trying to, who's still getting better. Was always pretty hype coming out of high school. I think he was the number one receiver out of his high school recruiting class in high school. So it'll be interesting. I think Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams will see a lot more action in the passing game tonight, especially Williams. I will think because I know Jones has been taking a heavy workload as it is. Right, and you can even, Maybe see, he did, yeah, you might Maybe see yeah,
1: a, Ty, sorry Tyler Irving in the backfield too to get Williams or something split up.
0: Irving's questionable, you know, not knowing how serious that injury is, but like you said, that would be a weapon in the passing game. The Packers could complement. And of course, maybe AJ Dillon can find some more, uh, can find a little bit more of an upgrade in his workload. Maybe doing more of that heavy, heavy duty at running back, while guys like Jones and Williams kind of focus on the receiving portion.
1: Yeah, their defense will definitely get tested too because they're kind of banged up a little bit. I think Kenny Clark's out again, Christian Kirksey, and then guys like um, Jai Alexander didn't practice the other day, and so he was questionable. I know. Um, Darius questionable too yeah yeah and i know Rashawn gary was too so i mean we'll see how that goes if those guys are getting their normal minutes as well
0: yeah that's that'll be interesting too especially alexander because he just he makes the most impact back in that secondary well and, and you got might- a
1: you got a confidence in calvin ridley right now so they're gonna need Jai alexander definitely with that one two combo they got going there in atlanta Yes, I did say on social media the other day that expect the Falcons to give the Packers troubles, and it'll be a for-sure thing now with
0: the lack of receiving options
1: that the Packers have.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers lost tonight just because. I I, I just don't think that you can have of much confidence in the offense right now in terms of – uh, receiving weapons for Rodgers I think I can tell Rodgers is going to find some frustration at points now getting granted the offensive line has been very solid so far for the Packers I think they've exceeded more expectations than analysts or even a coaching staff for Green Bay even thought you know they've always been a either average to below average offensive line for the last several years and it's really no different than the last couple years it's the same guys pretty much but I I think they've held their ground themselves. I, I think they've exceeded expectations. Right. So in that aspect, Rodgers has been getting that pass protection. But now here's the thing. How how long can that pass protection go if Rodgers drops back to pass and he can't fan anybody open? He might be seeing Rodgers work his magic on the ground and being a little bit more mobile tonight, knowing that he's got to find making sure that these – Receivers who extend plays.
1: Right. Yeah. I expect them um, to kind of get the tight ends going a little more like they did last week. I know Tanya and Sternberger had a handful of catches last week. So I'm, I'm assuming that we'll see a little bit more of that again tonight.
0: Mercedes Lewis had a touchdown last week, but he's actually doubtful for tonight's game. So we probably won't see the veteran tight end in the Packers lineup bearing a last second change. Well, I. Otherwise. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, that's about it. I was just going to wrap this Packer talk up, too.
0: Yeah, I think that's all he can – was Julio Jones back for Atlanta tonight? I believe so. fantasy in my fantasy
1: lineup, so he better be playing.
0: <laughs> Julio's usually had um, decent games when Atlanta plays Green Bay. Because of his size, usually the Green Bay doesn't have a a guy who can match up with Julio very well because Julio's 6'4", 6'5". He's 220 pounds and a guy can run a 4'3", some 40. So it doesn't really bode well against Packer guys. Right. So yeah, we'll see, let's see who's, let's see if Alexander plays tonight or if Sullivan steps up into the starting role and well, can actually find some make a way to make big plays.
1: Regardless, I'm expecting this to be a high-scoring game, like Atlanta always does. So sure enough. All right, so I suppose right. yeah, move on to the rest of the NFC North, I should say, and that brings up the best discussion we'll get is the Minnesota Vikings. The prime team that's on a roll now. Uh,
0: well, you're going to go off one win now or what?
1: I mean, no. I They played against an 0-3 Texans team who just fired their coach. So, But there is a lot of positives out of this game. You did have the wealth spread around in the receiving game. I mean, there was only... four four players that caught a pass, but you did have Thielen and Jefferson over 100 yards. I did not like that there really wasn't any targets distributed anywhere else. You had two catches from Rudolph and two catches from Cook. So, I mean, it's nice to see that another receiver is starting to get his ground in, but that's definitely going to have to be a little widened in the future.
0: Look how more efficient Kirk Cousins was, too, compared from The last couple weeks. Well,
1: that's also because the run game was going at Cook had 27 rushes, 130 yards, and two touchdowns. So that definitely helps. Yeah, but I
0: get that. I get that. But Cousins still has to be able to do his job in terms of, you know, it's not whether the Vikings could have or couldn't run the ball. It's just that Cousins was able to make better decisions. Right. Yeah. He didn't
1: turn the ball over. Yeah. He
0: completed over 70% of his passes.
1: Yeah. No interceptions is the big thing because I'm pretty sure he was tied for the. Tied for the lead he was. in interceptions.
0: Yeah, he was tied for first.
1: But yeah, like I said, it, it really wasn't a big game. I mean, obviously it was a big game to get a win, but the Texans aren't anything special. But it was nice to see the defense hold up a little bit after Harrison Smith got ejected.
0: Did you know that only four different guys for the Vikings had a catch? Now, oh, granted, I did I, cousins. Yeah,
1: I did say that already. I was,
0: I was just going to say that cousins was only sixteen for twenty-two. But yeah, only four guys or four players had catches. So, does that concern you as well? The thing is, if Thielen and Jefferson, and you maybe could put Rudolph in here too, if they're the only guys finding finding ways to get the ball in the passing game, does that kind of concern you? If concern you as a Viking fan, knowing that, well. It can, as a defense from an opposing team, we can easily scout that. You just got to shut those two guys down. We're not really going to worry about their number three, four five receivers.
1: Yeah. I mean, if we were in contention for some big games, I mean, I'm only expecting the Vikings to be about a 500 team. Um, so not really. I mean, at this point, I'm just hoping Cousins targets Jefferson a lot, get his game going as fast as we can because he'll be big in the future. But I'm kind of upset they're not using Irv Smith more in the offense a little bit. That's kind of disappointing to me. I had high expectations for him coming into this year.
0: Well, and before, we, before the NFL season started off, we both predicted, I believe, the Vikings to finish second behind the Packers I, in the NFC. I still University.
1: think they will. I mean, the Bears don't have a well, lot of...
0: It's early. I mean, there's, it's 10 games is still reachable for the Vikings. They just going to have to find a groove. They've got a well-built roster and maybe as the season moves along, their younger, inexperienced secondary can find, find that comfortability back there and kind of be like a well-rounded defensive unit. Cause you know, Zimmer is a defensive coach. I mean, doesn't he call the plays? He, yeah. So that's something that he's a, he's a focal point on. You look at their team, their offense is definitely better than their defense right now. So.
1: Right. Right. Uh, I know that. I mean, I'm a fan of Zimmer, but I know that a lot of people are talking about that his job is on the line, so I think he's going to be doing all he can too. So
0: If if, if the Vikings have finished the year poorly and Zimmer gets fired, I'll be very upset as a, as a Packer fan because Mike Zimmer is a very good coach. Look at how consistent they've been the last few years now. They haven't seen that consistency probably since the Dante Culpepper days of Minnesota when Mike Tights was still there. Mike Tice was an okay coach, but he had a really good team. Mike Zimmer is a heck of a coach. If I mean, if one bad year takes them down, because they got a different roster, and you've got a season that was in, inflicted with COVID implications, and there's something wrong. Right?
1: Yeah. No. Like I, I like him as the coach. I don't think he deserves to be fired, regardless of how the year goes. I mean, unless they go two and fourteen, I don't think he really should have a consideration of a job being lost.
0: Bill O'Brien, that's a different story because he's been receiving that criticism now over the last couple of years. Most, not just from a coaching—he was—he's a decent coach, but the organization made a big, big no-no after they made him GM. That's what really killed the Houston Texans right now. That's why, you know, you look at a coaching change that was made today when they fired him. I think that's just totally different from when you look at Zimmer's perspective. I think Zimmer's. The coach should be the coach for the Vikings for the next how many years because he's he's, like, he's a game changer, I think. Right, yeah.
1: I mean, I like him there. So, All right, I suppose we can round out the rest of the NFC North. Uh, we'll look, take a look at the Bears real quick as they finally get handed their first loss of the season to the Colts. And a lot of surprise ah, – not really a lot of surprise, but Nick Foles a one as a starter compared to Mitch Trubisky's 3-0. Does that say anything? <laughs>
0: Not really. Uh, and the thing is, you look at – Trubisky wasn't, didn't have that bad of numbers before he got pulled last weekend. So And Nick Foles, he was average in terms of of, of efficiency against Indianapolis this weekend. You know, they, they passed the ball a lot, 26 for 42. So 42 attempts for goals, that's, you know, almost 50% more than Phillip Rivers did. I mean, the Browns' running game was awful. The they Bears. only had 28 yards. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm, I'm trying to, like, think of two different things at one time. Yes, the Bears' running game was awful. They only had 28 yards as a team. 27 of the lowest yards came from Montgomery. So you, you are – got to expect that the Bears' focal point on offense is their passing. Well, game.
1: yeah, it was just disappointing to see Montgomery only got 10 rushes. I mean, without – Tariq Cohen there, somebody's got to be able to mix that up in there more.
0: It's at two and a half yards of carry, so you look at either, either their strategy of what they're trying to do or maybe their offensive line just isn't as strong-suited as it should be.
1: And the Colts also are a pretty solid defensive team, but that's still no excuse for only getting really 10 rushes.
0: That's that's probably my biggest kryptonite when it comes to fantasy football. Not aside from drafting Saquon and, and Nick Chubb this year, but released or uh, dropping the Colts defense after week one. That was, that's going to come back to haunt me the most.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's probably wasn't a smart move at the time.
0: Well, when you, you look at, you look at bad advice from online sources, that's what's going to happen to you. All
1: right. And then rounding out the NFC North, we got the Lions that fell in a close one to the Saints. Um I don't know, I guess not too much to talk about from the Lions side, but quite a bit to talk about on the Saints side, which kind of brings me into a question I have for you is, how long do you think a team like the Saints can survive with the injuries they had? I know this week, obviously, they had Michael Thomas out, but they did have a lot of big players out on the defense and Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Davenport, and Janoris Jenkins, as well as Jared Cook, and then their anchor on the left side of the line
0: at Andrews Pete. Well, any other team goes through the same thing, so it's it's easy to say that injuries are going to cause concern for every team at at certain spots. That's just that's just how the game is is going, or always has been, especially the rate of injuries that are appearing now, week after week. So there, so it's no different than any other team. You know, as long as these guys can come back from an injury, right, but at a certain point, then they'll be fine. But of course, it's gonna. Of course, you can say, yeah, it's gonna be a big concern because we got guys that keep players that are have been have had a nagging injury the last couple of weeks, or have been out are out for a couple of weeks. Because either way, every team has got some type of impact player in the same predicament.
1: Right, but I mean, you got the Buccaneers who are on a roll here with three wins in a row. So I don't know. I'm not really sure the severity of all these injuries.
0: Carolina got a win this weekend, too, finally? Yeah,
1: I'm not sure, like, how the se- severity of the injuries are, but you got to think that the Buccaneers are kind of starting to pull away a little bit from the Saints. Yeah, it's early, and it's only a one-game difference, but.
0: Well, hear, hear, hear this now. Tampa Bay's defense has been pretty solid so far. And now, granted, Tom Brady had a, a very good game. But how do you – okay, You, got, you probably, everybody's probably heard the stat now that Tom Brady's got it. Another pick six. That's his what, fourth in six games. So, basically, his averages are, what, a couple hundred yards a game, a touchdown, and a couple picks. And right now, Leonard Fournette's out after having a a solid couple games on the ground. And Chris Godwin's out for injury. So, Tampa Bay might go through that stretch where, hey, we got some key players that are. Yeah, hmm. but either they, hurt, nicked up, but they're, I think the Tampa Bay goes through that stretch is what I I'm think trying Tampa to say. Bay, Tampa Bay so, is I,
1: better off, though, with their injuries. I mean, they still have Evans at receiver. You still have that elite receiver, and then you still have Jones who had over 100 yards and who is comfortable and knows the system.
0: O.J. Howard's out for the year now, too. Right,
1: but you still got two other tight ends in Gronkowski and Brate, so I'm, that's not that big of a I,
0: I just – I said before the year – uh, Gronk is not really no, but... going to be a weapon because he doesn't. He doesn't have the same body. He lost all that weight. He's he's obviously off football fear. I just don't see him as being an impact guy for Tampa Bay this year. Maybe later in the year, as soon as he gets you know more of that NFL repetition back into the fold, where he's used to playing week after weekend after week. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think they'll they'll be fine though. I mean, they really they really use or Brady really uses his tight ends as more of a red zone option, anyways. And I mean, that's even hidden a little bit when you got Mike Evans, who can, who is what, like 6'3", 6'4", that can go up and get up a jump ball. So so I don't think you're not going to see big touchdown numbers when you have Evans and Godwin there.
0: But Mike Evans did have a little bit of a, did he not leave the game this weekend? I think he did,
1: but he came back because he finished with over 100 yards and a touchdown.
0: So if I'm not mistaken, I'm sure he will have the questionable mark as the week uh. Right, and the along.
1: Buccaneers haven't even had Godwin and Evans, I don't think, for a full game yet. So that's another scary, scary yeah. thought. Um, but I guess we'll just finish quickly with some other teams that have like the same situation as the Saints. So obviously the big ones, the 49ers, who fall to 2-2 two and two and are tied for last place in their division. I think they're a team that is going to – Suffer the greatest from these injuries because they have a very tough division that they're going to fall behind quickly, especially losing to a a winless Eagles team.
0: Mm -hmm. That was, that was, that was a, how do you want to say it? I don't want to say a certain word, but they basically S H I T the bed. That's 49ers are still set up to have one of the better teams. I understand the NFC West is a very Probably the best division in all football. Well,
1: you can't. You and you potentially can't. Afford, you can't they three can't, teams from that division make the playoffs this year.
0: Yeah. This, can't. The Eagles are an SH, SHIT show right now. So that's just, that's, games like that are going to happen in the NFL. But, and we're obviously still early in the season, but it's something that San Francisco's got to capitalize on. That's, that's something that can't happen. Eagles were one of, if not the more frustrating team in the NFL so far. So that basically was a good win for Doug, Petters, Doug Peterson and the Eagles, and that's a very, very poor loss for San Francisco. If they want to stay in the flight with Seattle and Arizona, And you can even say L.A. is somewhat of a uh, weapon or a threat right now. In I that think L.A. is
1: more of a threat than Arizona.
0: Arizona has lost two in a row now. Uh, yeah, that, I think that was another bad loss from against Carolina. Carolina was struggling too. So that was something that they needed to capitalize on too, and they failed to right. do that. In fact, their defense really—they've got a nice defense set up. They just—they got to find ways to get some takeaways. This is a this is a defense they, they specialized on their defense in the draft this last year. They've got Patrick Peterson in there. They've got they've got other weapons. Buddha Baker, of course, he was hurt. He didn't play. They've got their defense is becoming a more rounded unit. They got to be able to make, start making more contributions if they want to be able to win in the long run you've got a young quarterback you're set up to win maybe they're a year away who knows but they got to be able to capitalize because they're getting some more they got some hype preseason as a team to watch out for in that division not just that division but i mean
1: like i said i think the 49ers are in a tough spot and they're gonna have a lot of catching up to do once these guys start coming back from injury but on the other side the eagles picked up their first win, which brings them in the first place in probably the worst division in football, where you have three wins in the whole division. But that was a big win for them as their first win, and also their beat-up team too. I mean, they have their top three, four targets out at receiver and tight end with Jeffrey, Jackson, um, Whiteside, Watkins, and Goddard. So, I mean, they had a pretty busted-up team but managed to scrape out a win too. So, they're another one of those teams that have to survive with the, their injuries. But like I said, their situation's a little bit different in a pretty poor division. I would agree. Well, I think that's pretty much all we have. So I suppose we can take a break and then we'll head right into the Badgers.
0: All righty. We will, that sounds good. and And everybody stay with us and we will be back with some Wisconsin Badger football. Hey, everybody, welcome back to this next segment of the Wenzel Perspective. All right, we're ready to uh, discuss some Wisconsin Badger football. And uh, now we're finally seeing the Big Ten kind of get more comfortable and letting their their teams play now. As you see, like conferences like the ACC, Big 12, and so forth have got their three, four games in so far. So we'll kind of recap some Badgers, kind of give us our, our thoughts and what we should expect to see out of them this season. Uh, shortened schedule as goes. If you look at the eight games that they got for this regular season, there's no reason to think that they don't go eight. No? I mean, no.
1: There's no excuse not to, to be honest.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, but to be honest with you, I can see them going like five and three, six and two. <laughs> this is going to be a different team. Now you, you lost Jonathan Taylor. That's, that's your biggest thing now. You've had that big threat at running back the last decade, almost. You can say even longer than that. So who the guy that steps up? You're gonna the Badgers. I don't think have that well-rounded guy that's gonna be able to make an impact alone. So I think we're gonna see running back by committee this year for Wisconsin. I, I mean, think,
1: at least for the first few games, anyways, until somebody kind of comes out
0: and shines. Yeah. So you see. Garrett Groshek, Nakia Watson, Isaac Gurendo, Gurendo, however you pronounce that. And those are, from what I heard, are the three main threats right now at running back. But you look at Groshek and Watson, they're not as physically built to be an every-down running back. I mean, Watson's like 5'10", 215, so he might take a load of the carries. Groshek's more of like a third-down receiving back. But from what I heard, Isaac Gurendo has had a really good preseason so far from what they said, could see a spike in, in reps for him come come start of the uh, regular season on on October 24th when they kick off against Illinois. A game There's no word they, on
1: – oh, sorry. You can I was just okay. going to say
0: a game that they really were going to be hungry for after getting let up against Illinois last season and kind of wrecked their, their perfect season at that point. Okay, What's what the we,
1: word on Jalen Berger? He's not in the conversation at all?
0: Well, I – you look at how when Jonathan Taylor came in his freshman year, he was kind of the under-the-radar, unknown three-star recruit out of the New Jersey, and Jalen Berger is kind of the player that had the same hype as Corey Clement coming out. All New Jersey kids. Berger, like Corey Clement, was a four-star, top 20, 25 running back coming out of, that, of the uh, 2020 class. So I, I haven't read as many reports on Jalen Berger as well. And that's that's sometimes that happens. You may see a recruit like that that might not find that comfortability or game readiness right off the bat. Either it might take him of just a cup one game or half the season or a full season. So maybe we'll hear more from Berger as the season goes along. But so far, I haven't heard a whole lot in terms of game readiness if or being part of the plan to be used going forward that much compared to these other three that I just said. And these other three obviously bring back the most experience. Gurriendo, I think, got some time on special teams too. But now with Taylor gone, he'll have to help fill in with some of the void on the offense.
1: Right. I mean, I'd like to see Berger get at least some touches, like a handful of touches at least a game, because I think he'll be the guy going forward. I don't think Watson will be. Too much of the guy, I don't think, in the in the near future. I mean, he's only a redshirt sophomore.
0: Here's the thing: so Wisconsin has a lot of their offensive linemen back from last year. You think of guys like Cole Van Lannan, and Cole Van Lannan could be a excuse First round me, pick. <laughs> excuse me, I you know I messed that one up. Cole, Van, yeah, sorry about that. Yes, Cole Van Lannan could be in the running to be a first-round pick, and he's their most experienced offensive lineman. And John Dietzen, who was a an all-state performer back, I remember I think it was out of Seymour he came out of, and he just couldn't stay healthy and and never really saw the field. He's back. You see uh, uh, maybe Logan Brown, the five-star sophomore, find some way in to step up and, and get some reps. Caden Lyles is in there. So they've got – their offensive line is obviously their focal point for this football team this year. So in terms of finding holes and making sure that there's open field room for these running backs, that shouldn't be a problem.
1: I mean, I kind of hope Logan Brown gets a little bit of playing time this year because it kind of says something about how good the Badgers line was last year when you have a five-star lineman come in and he doesn't even get to see the field. So he obviously got some good learning in, though
0: if Jonathan Taylor would have came back for his senior season, I guarantee you he would have put numbers like Melvin Gordon did that last, his last year in Wisconsin. I mean, this offensive line is set up, is set up for the run game to go ballistic. And now if anybody has not heard Jack Cohn suffered a broken foot in practice, I guess it was a non-contact injury. So he's set to have further evaluation. The plan is, I guess, is to have surgery. And Paul Chris said that Graham Mertz will then slide into the practice number one team in terms of getting those number one reps, which is I'm sure a lot of Badger fans are looking forward to see as the five-star quarterback from the 2019 class will step into the fold. might be the most prestigious recruit the Badgers have ever gotten. And they've obviously got guys like Logan Brown and Josh Oglesby in the past. And 2021 new recruit that they just signed, five-star recruit, I should just say committed, no one So I – I hope Cohn does come back at some point because I thought Cohn played solid last year. He had the, had the third most passing yards in in Wisconsin Badger regular season history, which I don't know if it really says a whole lot because they're not much of a passing school. But I thought Cohn was – he kind of beat some of the critics last year in terms of how well he came on the field and and took over that starting role.
1: Right. I mean, I think – that's, we've had this discussion before in previous episodes and I've read other articles and listened to other shows but it's such a tough decision like everyone knows that and everyone wants merch to play because we know that he's the future and that he's going to be the guy and that he's special but Cohen hasn't done anything that's undeserving of playing he put he put in the work and he's put in the, and the numbers show for themselves that he deserves to be in that starting role but I mean you could see like a little Bledsoe Brady action here where Bledsoe goes down and the backups gets a chance to
0: shine. And that's very well possible. And you look at when Graham Mertz played, he had what two appearances last year against central Michigan and Kent state. And between those two games, he was nine for 10. So he was efficient. He looked good. I remember watching him play at those, those reps. And he looked, he looked the part, like he looked comfortable as a freshman, like, and he had, he was confident. you have, Excuse me. You do lose Quintess, Cephas, obviously. And then uh, A.J. Taylor is now gone. So that does hurt in terms of depth, but you still have receivers like Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor that's back. Uh, Jack Dunn, while he lacks in height, he makes up for speed and quickness, kind of like a Wes Welker or Julian Edelman in the the slot. So I, I still think that Wisconsin can be a threat in the passing game, too. And that's what they're realizing as we're in 2020, going into 2021. You see a lot of these big-time schools like Alabama, Ohio State. They're spread offenses. You got to be able to learn how to pass and run the football. You can't just be one-dimensional.
1: Right. That might you be that might be where Jalen Berger gets his chance to shine, actually, because he's recruited as an athlete. He can play receiver too, not just running back. So I, I would expect him to get like a little like wing back and even in like slot positions. And then like you said. Groshick is like a third down, pretty good receiving back. So I think they got options outside of just their receivers, and then in the tight ends too with Jake Ferguson.
0: Yep, and I and look at look at uh, possibly seeing some time from Clay Cundiff, the sophomore. He, uh, I believe, has a connection with Grant Mertz. They weren't on the same high school team, but they they're familiar. So if Mertz does step up into the that hole for uh, Jack Hone. We'll see maybe Clay Hayden Rucci, the brother, the twenty-one commit. No one Rucci's in that cold for tight end. They got a freshman Cam Large, who was recruited by Alabama. So the tight end is uh, the tight end group is look looking like a solid group. And then they got the freshman from Catholic Memorial, Cole Dakovich. So I think the tight ends might have to play a more important role than the receivers because the receiving group is very, very inexperienced. Opposite of Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis, and you usually see Jack Dunn on special teams. So in terms of offense, you know, being in your in your offense and you have your wide receiver spread out or guys in the slot, it's going to be different opposite those two receivers.
1: Right, yeah, that'll be big too because Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor, I don't think they're that big of guys where Cephas was that bigger target last year. So you might have to rely on your tight ends that need that big catch going down the field.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that and Mertz is one of those more accurate passers. He's not a dual threat guy. He's a pro style. So he, he's got that accuracy. So as long as, you know, the, like guys like Pryor and Davis and Dunn and whoever else, guys like A.J. Abbott, the receiver, or Stephen Bracey, the sophomore, guys like that, they might find some some time on the field. Those guys, as long as they get open, I think Mertz does have the capability to hit them. I know Mertz, if he does get the starting job, he will make mistakes, just like any other quarterback. That's That's just the game of football. So I, as long as we, so the, the bottom line is in terms of their offense is if we can see the running game being, being established post Jonathan Taylor career, I think they'll be fine. That that's how I look at it. I I, would like I'm,
1: to, I'm not concerned sorry. anywhere else outside of running
0: back. I do want to say, I do hope Julius Davis, the sophomore finds a bigger role. I'm not really, have not heard a whole lot of him this preseason so far remember he's from menominee falls he was a high three-star recruit in the 2019 class i mean teams like lsu and you know some other spc teams were very interested i mean michigan was interested in julius davis so when you see wisconsin competing and beating out teams like that 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 makes that makes it known that these guys have potential to be an impact player is there anything else that you want to address with the offense
1: no, I think we pretty much covered most of it. Uh,
0: one uh, Before we wrap that part, part up, I'll just say, if Wisconsin has some big guys come in for the recruiting class for offensive line, look at Trey Wiedig, the freshman from Kettle Moraine Lutheran, or excuse me, he's from Oconomowoc, 6'7", 320, a four-star guy, and then you got four-star Jack Nelson, who is 6'7", as well, from Stoughton. So it'll be interesting to see if those guys find the field or they're more of a practice squad, red shirt type guys since they've got that, that depth at, at the spot. So it'll be interesting. In terms of defense, um, it'll be interesting to see how – I mean, Isaiah Loudermilk's back on the D-line. That's what's well, like their, their most experienced guy. Matt Henningsen's on there too. Uh, I hope Garrett Rand, the senior, steps up. This was a high four-star guy, Cam, coming out. I believe it was the 2017 class. That guy, I think, had the highest or first or second highest squat poundage his senior year in high school, but was troubled by injury all these years, so hasn't really saw the field. So if he stays healthy, oh, he can make a big advantage and really improve his, his NBA draft stock. Linebacker. NBA. Sorry, <laughs> his NFL draft stock, Sorry. But otherwise, li- I think their linebackers, linebacking squad, is solid. And obviously, Jack Sanborn's back there too. Uh, you look at guys like Mike Mascalunas, who was kind of an unknown guy last year, but when Wisconsin would be up and he'd come in on second team, he would make some some uh, impact plays. You got Isaiah Green May, the senior, that's in there too. So I, those guys.
1: I gotta say, I'm I'm pretty excited about Leo Chanel. He was just a freak in high school, and I think he's finally gonna get some time to kind of yep. show what he's about. Yeah, well, yeah, but when you had, you, got, you had such good linebackers last year, he didn't really have that much of a chance.
0: You've got, you got Sanborn at Green May, and then you've got Noel Burks in there, the seniors. That'll get the time to start. But then you got all. – I'm also curious to see how Spencer Little, the sophomore from uh, California, steps up. This guy was – picked Wisconsin over Clemson. And when a team like Clemson wants your services, you know that's a guy that's going to be coveted and, and probably should see the field if he's got that potential. And then I'd like to see – Maybe the freshmen's uh, – oh, I just lost my train of thought there. Oh, Nick Herbig and Caden Johnson step up. Herbig was a big four-star recruit from Honolulu. And, of course, you know Caden Johnson. We've seen him through uh, for Minnehaha on the basketball court, but as a four-star linebacker as well. And then the defensive backs, they were young last year. I got everybody yeah. back, I'm pretty sure, don't they? They got everybody back. Rashad Wildgoose is back. Cesar Williams is back. Faeon Hicks is back. Uh, Dante Burton's back. Scott
1: so, Nelson and Eric Burrell.
0: And Scott Nelson was hurt most of the last year. So if he can read Kane, yeah, and Burrell is their best safety too. Probably their best overall. It'll be interesting. I'd like to see Titus Toller step up to the sophomore from California. He was another four-star recruit that the Badgers picked.
1: Up. I think uh, I'm I'm uh, not worried about their defense at all. When you got Jim Leonard back there, I mean, he's like a, he's been a mastermind ever since he's came into that defensive coordinator spot. So I know that our defense will be pretty solid.
0: Yep, and if you look at their schedule, I, I don't think there's anything to really be concerned about. You've got Michigan on November 14th. That is in Ann Arbor. You've got Minnesota at home on November 28th. Uh, Iowa, the last game of the, of the regular season on December 12th, could be an interesting matchup, but I don't see why they don't win games at, or at home against Illinois, on the road in Lincoln and Lincoln in Nebraska, home against Purdue, on the road at Northwestern, even though those Northwestern games are typically low-scoring and close, and then Indiana. You don't have Ohio State. You don't got Penn State. You don't got Michigan State to worry about. So that's you, – you couldn't have had a better draw in this shortened season.
1: Right, yeah. All they right. definitely should have their eyes on that Big Ten championship game. There's no yep. excuse not to. All
0: right, so I kind of – I said some of the freshmen that I think that I'd like to see play, you know, like Weedig and Nelson, Berger, Herbig, Johnson, dakovic So – that class isn't as talented. You look at next year's class, so 2021, and as I mentioned before, the prize of that class is 6'8", 295-pound offensive lineman Nolan Rucci, the five-star out of Pennsylvania. His brother is Hayden Rucci, 10 n or a sophomore tight end on the team. This is uh, the highest, highest rated class in the internet rankings era so far. They're the 16th rated class in the nation. You've got three other offensive linemen that are four-star recruits that are already committed in J.P. Benshaw and Riley Malman, all six, seven-plus as well. I think they're, besides Rucci, their X-factor recruit is T.J. Bolher's out of Iowa, who's a four-star defensive end, can probably play linebacker too as a striker. He picked – he had Alabama after him as well as Auburn and some other SEC schools. Hunter Waller from Muskego a four-star. Braylon Allen, the four-star from 2022.
1: If I'm not, Fond Lac, if I'm not mistaken, reclass- I think uh, – didn't Braylon Allen from Fond du Lac, uh, reclassify yeah. into this class? I just said that. Oh, did you? Oh, my- I just said
0: he classified from 2022, like a couple weeks ago.
1: Yeah, he was a four-star
0: D-back, right? Yep and, then you, yep. and then you've got other mostly three-stars so far that I think – Deacon Hill is their three-star quarterback that's committed from Cali. I think by the time – the High school season's over. He's going to be a four-star. He was at the Elite 11 and did really good. So I think that they they made an X-factor pick with him. And you've got Brian Sanborn on Illinois. I want to say that's either Jack Sanborn's brother or cousin, probably his brother, but he's an impact linebacker. So and But in terms of other guys they're targeting for this class, it's kind of quiet. They got maybe just a few other low-key guys they're targeting, I and mean, you never know. There might be some four-star guy that they – recruit really hard at the last second and somehow find him. Otherwise they might be almost done for this class. And 2022 is obviously they've kind of got, they've got more offensive linemen coming up. This is kind of the, even more of a in-depth class where they got to find bigger guys. This is a strong class from the state of Wisconsin alone. I mean, you have two of the best offensive linemen in the country hail or excuse me three of the best offensive linemen in the country hail from the state of wisconsin right and you got Joe. oh sorry sorry go no, ahead. i'll let
1: you finish i'll let you finish
0: i was just gonna say joe brunner from whitefish bay is actually number 42 in the 247 sports rankings and that's out of whitefish bay just outside milwaukee you've got Carson Himmons way up north by st croix central as a four star you've got billy shrouth over to the east over by st mary springs and fond du lac those are three guys that you got to be able to land because they're in-state guys and then, of course, you got the four-star defensive end out of Sun Prairie, Isaac Ham. So you got some weapons that. And Wisconsin doesn't have usually, big, big more of like, big classes out of Wisconsin where you find like a whole plethora of recruits. Mostly, a lot of these guys that come out of Wisconsin are are uh, are low or less power five schools that don't really compete for the conference championships, but are capable. So I think that Wisconsin has a pl- plenty of options to look at in 2022. And of course other out of state guys do. I think that they prove with landing Graham Mertz, Noan Rucci that they can go after some of these other big, big name guys at schools like Alabama and Ohio state Clemson and Texas, all those schools go after. I, I certainly think they're capable. Wisconsin competes for big 10 championships every year. Rose bowls. They're just outside the co- uh, college football national playoff. They can, could obviously, do that. Right.
1: And I was, I was, was going to, when I was cutting you off before, I was just going to mention that even though they're probably not going to commit, they're still in the, technically, they're still in the running for the number one D tackle in the 2021 class and the number one safety. So they're offering these guys. So they're on the radar.
0: Yeah. Uh, they certainly, I don't, you don't look at academics as that focal point because this isn't a one and done system like the NBA and uh, high school basketball. These guys go for two, three years at least if they do leave early. Otherwise, they're there for all four years. And a lot of these five-star guys do really well in school. A lot of them get anywhere from a 3.0 3. to a 4.0 GPA. A lot of these kids are smart because they know that you want to get to a good school. Schools like Nick, Alabama, Nick Saban, those guys, Ryan Day at Ohio State, Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, they emphasize academics. We all know Paul Chris and that staff at Wisconsin – does emphasize that academics. They've always done that. And there's no reason why they don't go after these other guys. They other guys would qualify academically. So you don't look at that as a reason why Wisconsin doesn't recruit more elite. They can, they should, and they should keep on doing so because they do have, they do have that ability to do so. And by means the guys they do get, they do develop them pretty solid. They can be, you know, mid picks or mid mid weekend picks in the NFL draft. Just look what they can do with blue chip guys on a more consistent basis.
1: Right, I know. I was kinda of, uh, the one uh, recruit I was kinda of sad to see not come to Wisconsin was J J C Latham. He I knew he was gonna come anyways because he was just too nationally recruited. He was out of Catholic Memorial and ended up transferring to IMG. But unfortunately you know, he Catholic, is going to Alabama.
0: Yeah. Can you imagine if Latham was still on Catholic Memorial last year? And they blazed, they blitzed everybody. Of course, they were, um, were they D3 or D4? They were. they were D4. They were D3 all of last season. They were ranked number one in D3 all year. And then, of course, you know, this is a different topic to discuss, the enrollment levels and WIA competition and all that. But then for D, they were D4 for the playoffs, and they were like the biggest D4 school there, and then they just destroyed everybody in their path because they were the number one D3 school, and here they're in D4 for playoffs. Right. And they just they killed everybody in their path. I think they had one loss that year, and that was to uh, that was to Muskego. I want to say, and of course, we all know Muskego is the number one team in the state overall. So that's that's kind of where we're at there. But just imagine if JC Latham was opposite Cole on that team. Oh. JC Latham would have been easily the best player to come out of Wisconsin. Of course, he's at IMG Academy now in Florida. Well, he still was so, the number
1: two you know, offense alignment in the nation. He did go to Wisconsin or go to high school in Wisconsin. And, and, his first two, two, years. and
0: two, four, seven is it either the two, four, seven regular rankings or the composite rankings are two different ranking systems. He is number one on one of those lists. So that's kind of, that's where we're at there. Of course, you know, when you get it, he's going to Alabama. So you get an offer like that. It's kind of hard to not say, Hey, you want to play for Nick Saban and be a first round pick in three years. Kind of hard to turn that down. But of course, offense linemen would just do, would do just as well as, uh, before we wrap this segment up one player i think wisconsin is recruiting that's intriguing is safety christian driver at a liberty christian high school in argyle texas if you don't know who that is he's actually the son of former green bay packer great donald driver a four-star safety who's got over 40 some offers so he's highly coveted by a lot of the nation's best teams so it'll be interesting to see If Wisconsin can nab driver and have driver continue to have roots in the state of Wisconsin. So that's something to keep a lookout for to see uh, where anything happens with that. But otherwise, Cam, is there anything that you would like to put input in terms of Wisconsin Badger recruiting?
1: Uh, No, I think all I have to say is just uh, keep checking our socials out for more posts. We just posted our top 10 quarterbacks earlier today and just keep giving us feedback. Keep commenting on those.
0: We all know that my list is a little bit more sane than the one Cam posted, of course. And if if you look at the list, you'll see why. And and when you see why, you'll probably notice it right away. So, but otherwise, anything else that we didn't touch base on? I think that's about it. Alrighty. So that's that, and that's brings us to the end of this episode of the Winsa Perspective. Of course, Cam said, check out our socials plenty of updates and hopefully one of these next episodes or so we can do a questionnaire. We haven't done that in a while just to have anybody's thoughts or what we think of your questions, but otherwise we will hope to get another episode out soon. Otherwise, thanks for joining us for this episode of the one's perspective and we will hope to see you for the next one. So everybody take care and have a great. evening.